Hey guys, welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Ghosted, the weekly dating podcast that covers the good, the bad and everything in between. Each week I'll be chatting to different guests about everything from dating and mental health, self-love, sexual empowerment and so much more. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss this. On today's episode, I am joined by dating and relationship expert Sarah Louise Ryan, where we break down everything you need to know about love languages. Plus, Sarah also chats to us about her thoughts on post-pandemic dating. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Ghosted. So why don't we just kick things off with you telling everyone who doesn't know a little bit about yourself and what you do. Um, Thank you so much for welcoming me. This is so exciting. I'm Sarah Louise Ryan. (laughs) I'm a dating and relationship expert. Um, What I do day to day is I have my own dating agency. So I internationally match make single professionals who are time poor and they're serious about finding their person. Um, And when I'm not doing that, I'm coaching singles who are looking to pave their own way and figure out, you know, the things that have been holding them back from deep and meaningful relationships, or perhaps they've just been dating all of the wrong people. So in a nutshell, I've got... um, matchmaking company called love connections a coaching company called love lessons and then i just speak to the media about all things dating and relationships fantastic and how did you get into that because it's obviously you know a very prevalent thing it's something that people are always going to need and want so how did you fall into this line of work Really interesting and such a good point. I am celebrating my 10th year, a decade in the dating industry this wow, year. Wow, congratulations. This <laughs> August, actually. Um, thank you so much. And it feels like it just went by in a jiffy, actually. I and so imagine, yeah. it was pretty much straight out of university. I'm in my, I'm in my early 30s. I, um, moved, I'm from Manchester. I moved to London. I thought I wanted to work in international marketing for the fashion industry. That was what my degree was in, international marketing. Moved to London. And then I was like, oh my goodness, I do not like products. I much prefer people. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> How have I landed myself in an industry that's not about people? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was looking for a role in a nutshell. I was forever searching for something that I felt to be a good fit for me. I'm such a conversationalist and really down to earth, probably my northern roots. And I thought, what to do? So I was Googling customer service roles. And I saw that back way back when, when Google ads were a tiny thumbnail in the corner of your screen. And I saw something that said, junior Mayfair matchmaker. And I was like, is that a real job? (laughs) Um, Do people... Do matchmakers still exist? I remember like Fiddler on the Roof and, you know, Yenters and all of that. And I was like, I can do that. Running around London with a little black book putting singles together. So I applied. (laughs) So I applied um, this junior matchmaker role in Mayfair. And I was in my early 20s meeting like the most incredible people I've ever met. I got the job. And um, I did work for that company for four years. And then... I moved to New York and yeah and I travelled around and um, ran an international matchmaking firm and a couple of years later now I have my own and yeah the rest is history got clients everywhere (laughs) yeah that's fantastic I think to be honest like it's so much more popular now and even maybe after the pan or you know during and after the pandemic because people probably are looking for more of that connection and I think with dating apps and and everything like that with Bumble and Hinge and all the different ones that you can get you know you're not ever sure what you're going to get with those things so if you're looking for something serious and a genuine connection with someone people often just need 
the help and the guidance rather than just doing it on these apps where you just end up wasting your time. I know. And the thing is, like these dating apps, and I'm not trying to make them out to be the enemy just as a preempt. But the reason people that come to a matchmaker is because they're so burnt out with online dating. And the reason being is that I believe they're built to keep you single because they monetize on having a massive pool of singles. And so it's like, just when you feel like, oh, you're attracted to someone, you're chatting to someone, you're engaged, you're perhaps building a pseudo relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Um, something inside of singles in this modern world is like but what's on the other side of the next swipe yeah, and exa- so exactly <laughs> I literally say that all the time like the grass is always greener when I think basically I personally I mean I say that but I don't think it ever is <laughs> no it's rarely it's just, greener <laughs> it's just you know it's some it's a compulsion because yeah. they're, they're built to hook you in you know not yeah, to the exactly. people but to the app process so yeah. Um, yes, off the back of that, um, matchmaking in the last decade has boomed because people have been experiencing so much online dating burnout. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Okay, so this episode, we were literally just talking about this before we started recording, and I'm so, so excited. So, love languages. I think let's start with people that maybe might not know what are love languages? Love languages is basically a very simple concept developed by the wonderful Dr. Gary Chaplin, uh, Chapman, whose name is actually, must get it right, we're going to do a whole episode <laughs> talking about it. And um, he, it, you know, really in layman's terms, makes it very simple for, to, for us to understand in five ways how we communicate our love and care for our romantic other Mm -hmm. and so he breaks it down and there are five it's quality time acts of service words of affirmation gifts and touch so those are the five love languages and the concept is that we often identify as individuals with one or two we connect with the way we receive love so that's how we we need it to be communicated for us to really feel connected to our significant other Mm -hmm. and we have one primary love language and then we have a secondary go-to as well the other three can fall by the way wayside we can take them or leave them so to speak and yeah, it's those five ways are the ways in which we communicate our care for, for our person that we're in a relationship See, with. I just find it so fascinating because I've, I mean, prior to having a boyfriend sort of for the last few months, was single for a long time before meeting him. And I have only recently discovered love languages. It's not something I think that people talk about very often. And when you read about it and you do research about it, it makes so much sense. Like to, like you said, how you receive love, how you give love to the other person. It's the simplest concept, but has such a huge impact that I just don't think people realise. So how how do you find out what your love language is? Like, what's the process you have to go through? Oh, gosh. You know, so much of what you just said in a nutshell right there had me thinking about so many things. Like, um, 
just before we move on, you said we're not taught these things. And that is Mm. what gets me up out of bed every day, dating and relational health. Because if you think about our relationships, not just with our significant other, but with our um, friends and family, it is at the core one of the most important things that we will ever engage in in our lifetime. Why are we not taught relational health romantically or otherwise at school at college and then on to as an option at university it's unless there's like counseling or therapy or coaching courses we're having to educate ourselves by our mistakes and learning our lessons from things that have held us back so it's no surprise that here you are just discovering it and what a beautiful thing to discover to, Mm -hmm. to discover you know what um how do we learn our love languages it's a lot of trial and error it's um People might be a bit mind blown by the simplicity of the concept itself. But once you get it in a nutshell, you'll have healthier experiences in dating because you'll just be like, okay, I've communicated my love language to that person. They're just not getting it, which means Mm -hmm. that they're not onboarding or I'm not communicating well or they're not communicating with me and something isn't gelling. And we learn through trial and error. And I truly believe that our love languages can change. Um, okay. I I don't mean significantly in a way to go from something such as quality time to gifts because they mm. all, that almost seems like like different values. But I think from you know things like acts of service to touch, I think that that can change for yeah. sure. And um, we we learn through our relationships that haven't served us, and then we learn through what connects us. Yeah, I just think it's it's just so fascinating because like I said it's it's such a simple concept and you know there's five languages and like you said they can serve us in our um, romantic relationships and also with our normal relationships with friends and family so I, I mean I actually did so when I kind of like read about it you can do like quizzes and stuff online to try and like find out I don't know how accurate they are I really really don't but this is how I found out what my potential love language is Um, and I made my boyfriend do one as well, just like we were lying in bed and I thought, oh, let's give it a go. So mine is quality time, which I don't think comes as a huge surprise because I I just love spending time with people. No matter what we're doing, I don't need to be out and about. I don't need to be going to fancy restaurants. I don't need to be doing this or that. If I just have that quality time with somebody, I know that's kind of what I find important. And then funnily enough, my boyfriend's was touch. And I found that really interesting because I didn't, although he is very affectionate, I didn't think that that would be the one thing that was really important to him. And it kind of made me see it very, very differently in terms of, you know, what I can then do to give him what he needs and make him feel loved and happy. And he can then obviously do the same for me. So it's, it is really that simple where once you find out what, you know, one, one love language is and then the other love language is, it just can help you connect on such a deeper level. And it just, I don't know, I mean, like I said, it just, it seems like such a simple thing, but that can have such a huge impact. It's just, like I said, remarkable that people don't know more about it. I I totally, you know, I couldn't agree more. Like, and we, unless we have the answers, we humans, we always assume, don't we? We make mm-hmm. up our own yeah. answers and that's just how how we are. And when it comes to our partners, when we attach to them, we just think that they know us and 
and we know them and that's it and I mean unless you're on on the you know on a journey of self-discovery together or you know individually and coming together and sharing your learnings we just make assumptions and I think the same can be done with how we communicate care unless the concept of love languages is in someone's space I think it's like well he's not doing uh the dishes or she's you know you know, choosing to spend Saturday with her mates instead of spending it with me. What's that all about? Well, maybe it's that she communicates with words of affirmation. And if he's not doing the dishes, maybe his is touch, you know, like your partner's yeah. or whatever. And I think we do our relationship and in or all relationships that we're, you know, engaged in an injustice by not learning more about ourselves and the way mm-hmm. we communicate. And we're doing an injustice by not translating our learnings to our partner. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think it's, like you said, like going back to how we're not taught these things, is I think, you know, everyone's kind of go-to would be, you know, in a relationship, let's say, if they've perhaps made a mistake or they've done something bad or they, you know, I don't know, got drunk one night and didn't come home or whatever, they would make up that mistake and that error by maybe buying a bunch of flowers or buying a gift of some sort or saying how much they love that person, thinking that that's going to make it better and that's the right thing because that's, you know, what you read, it's what you see on TV and films and what have you. But like you said, I mean, if that's not the other person's love language, then it's not going to make the situation better. It's mm. just understanding those those things and not just going back to just like an automatic response of, right, I'm just going to buy them a box of chocolates or, a, you know, a, a bouquet of flowers to make things better. Yeah. And thinking about, I guess, you know, incidences that take, you know, place in relationships that aren't serving to its health, such mm-hmm. as, you know, the things that you mentioned, not coming home one night or, you know, not hanging out together when one says that they're going to with their partner just little things like that or well you know depends all perception isn't it they can be quite big (laughs) things to other people and you know it's not just using the love languages to kind of plaster over a wound you know Mm -hmm. oh I know that this is how they communicate love so I'm going to use the love language to make things better I think it's really communicating at the core and consistently even yeah it's so possible like you and your partner you have completely different love languages but it's like really hearing what the other person's is and translating it um sorry communicating it consistently it's like Mm. I know that she needs to hear these things and so I'm going to share those words with her anyway despite the fact that I don't need to hear them to feel secure and safe and confident in our relationship it's making that conscious effort isn't it yeah, definitely. And I think that's just what it comes down to. And, and it's so funny with like all the episodes that I've done. The one thing that always comes back to is just communication. And it's communication, albeit in so many different forms. But if you're not able to communicate with your partner, no matter how that may be, it's just it's never going to work. You're always going to it's going to fragment and it's going to fall apart you know, quickly or slowly, however it ends up ending. But I just think communication is just so key, no matter what that is. You know, and we hear that saying so often, commu- like between human beings, relational mm-hmm. experiences, communication is key. But it's not so often that people delve into, well, what does that person mean by that? What is communication for me? How am I 
communicating it verbally and non-verbally and that's Mm -hmm. there's a beauty in the love languages because there's verbal and non-verbal communication and it takes both into consideration because some people feel that they've communicated something but they they haven't actually spoken it and it's their body language that is trying to show you that so say you have like uh, a to-do with your partner and you've not been on the same page about something you know, one person might need touch to reconnect after that conversation, Mm -hmm. whereas another person might need to spend more quality time to feel reconnected. And it's about using the love languages to communicate consistently and consistently create that connection between one another verbally and non-verbally. And I think the one thing that people should understand who maybe might not be so familiar with love languages is that there might be a misconception, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that your love languages have to be the same for you to be compatible. And that was kind of before I'd kind of done research into it. I kind of thought, well, when it comes to compatibility, you generally have to be the same, basically. You have to have the same um, interests, the same hobbies. And then when it came to love languages, I was like, well, I suppose you both have to have the same one because then you're on the same page. But that obviously isn't the case. No, it's really not the case, but it's really being mindful and considerate of your partner's love language. And I think um, opposites do attract. It's something that came up in a, a conversation with some of the dating experts, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Do I think opposites attract? I do, but not when it comes to values. Your values have to be the same, but all other things make for the spice of life. Like your separateness and the the polarization between you and your partner actually sparks that flame of desire. And it's what keeps us, it's the separateness and the individualism of two people is what we find attractive we want to know more yeah and what's exciting it excites us our curiosity really is drawn to that person because we want to know more there's an air of mystery Mm -hmm. in that separateness that it's like it's eroticism isn't it it really is of the the mind of the body of the soul like you it's it's erotic to get to know someone that's separate but then as we begin to attach what we attach to what becomes familiar and so people often assume that the way they communicate their care for one another has to be the same for them to understand one another yeah it is just I find it just so so interesting and and one thing we kind of touched on before we started recording which you brought up which I hadn't even thought about which is actually really really interesting is obviously with what's been happening the last year with the pandemic if you're living away from your partner how can you communicate your love language or how can you communicate in that way? Because obviously some of them are verbal, some of them are nonverbal. So how can you incorporate that and and make things work when you're not seeing them as often as you'd like to? Gosh, yes, it's been so tricky and so many conversations have been brought up about the stresses and the strain of couples that have been cohabiting and for those who were dating and want to connect. But one thing that I think has been really left to one side is those couples that have been long distance dating and the strain and the loneliness and the void that they've been feeling, the longing, you know, mm-hmm. absence, yes, of course, naturally makes the heart grow fonder, but come on now, like we're talking a year here, <laughs> like nobody ever meant yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I feel like that's 
those relationships have really not been given, you know, the platform that they deserve to, to be spoken about. And I think when it comes to love languages, it got me to thinking over a cup of tea before, you know, what has it meant for those couples in a global pandemic, especially if their love language is touch or especially mm-hmm. if it's acts of service. I mean, you can do little things, you know, from afar for your partner, you know, like order them a takeaway or, you know, but I guess that would be hand in hand with gifts as well. But it's, yeah, exactly, it's yeah. really tricky to be able to, you know, communicate, especially the, the non-verbal parts. And what to do is to just constantly be in communication. I know I'd like to be doing this for you right now. Or just so you know, I'd really love to be close to you right now in physical proximity. I'm really missing your touch. And I think that's when the other love languages can be a support system for the ones that are your primary or secondary that you don't have access to. It's like when we yeah. ha- when we have the knowledge, we can really see, you know, what's working for us and what's not. And we can use it to support the way we communicate with our partners. I think if you don't have the knowledge of things like the way we communicate love and care and those five love languages, it can be very easy to not have the language, the, you know, the spoken language to communicate what it is that we're feeling. I think it's a wonderful um, work that Esther Perel does. She says, by really accessing our emotions by understanding them to be able to communicate them we are allowing ourselves to create this narrative of you know what we need and we want and desire and deserve but when we're not Mm -hmm. educating ourselves on our you know relational health then we're just like well I feel lonely and I miss you and it's not enough those yeah those words are not enough well what do they mean and how do they show up and what does it mean for our relationship like we need to be having deeper, more meaningful, more vulnerable, connected conversations in order to bring us closer, whether we're far, we're far apart or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it is, you know, it's always obviously going to be a struggle. And I think, again, something that we touched on before is that, you know, you do have your primary love language and your secondary love language. But then, you know, I do think, you know, do, do you also incorporate all of them like are are all of them important in some way um I think you said it was your your boyfriend that actually kind of brought this up to you um when you were talking about it and you know it's do we need to incorporate all of them or do we just focus on the ones that we know are important and then leave the other ones and ignore them or do we just need to do it all together I think it was really interesting it was kind of like a mic drop moment for me when he'd said yeah um, I was (laughs) you know you know how was your day what did you talk about oh today I was working on the love languages what does that mean and then you know not having too much education on it he you know sat back and he looked at me and he went well surely you know, for a relationship to be healthy, you, each person would need to access all of those love languages at one point or at some time. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's so true. I mean, like, you know, when it comes to birthdays, as much as quality time is the predominant love language for us human beings, so, um, you yeah. know, Chapman's done loads of studies on that. And I think that's just relationships. We need physical intimacy as well as emotional and intellectual stimulation. And so you know, naturally, um, quality time to be in close proximity to our partners, that would need to happen to be in conversation on all the, all the other, other things. So 
Um, what was the question? Oh my gosh, I'm so busy talking. Go on, what did you say? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> well, just about yeah, incorporating everything really. Do you need to to have everything to make a good relationship, th- or is it? I think it you just... do, and I think I think you can't. You know, birthdays just because you give a gift doesn't mean it's your love language, but you will be giving a gift at some point. You will want to touch yeah. your partner because physical intimacy is really important. It's nonverbal communication, and I think words of aff- affirmation will. You know, in those, let's talk about the early stages of dating, right? We are unsecure. We're, we're unsecure, we're insecure, especially in the world of modern dating when we're meeting somebody new. We don't know Absolutely. if they are as intentional as we are about what it is that we want. Are the intentions aligned? Well, you're constantly looking at whether someone's coming up against your values, whether they're attaching to you, whether you're attaching to them, how do you feel about them? And so lots of different things come up and we're communicating differently. We're figuring out love languages. And so we'll need to access all of them to figure out what works with us. And I think we can be in relationships um, I believe that my love languages have changed. I do a lot of reflection. I think that's the right thing to do as, you know, as a coach. You want to know what you've learned as well as what you're helping your clients to learn about relationships. And yeah. I, in a previous relationship, really appreciated acts of service. You know, it could be something small like, you know, knowing that I've had a busy day and then getting the house sorted and, you know, getting the dog sorted, this, that and the Absolutely. other. Whereas I yeah. find now, um, I feel so secure that actually it's touch. I really engage in the feeling and the being close and the close proximity. But then again, that can just be the way the world pandemic has lend up, lends itself to the disconnection yeah. from everyone else, yeah. you know? So do you think talking about how your love languages could potentially change, do you think that stems from you developing as a person or do you think it can change from just relationship to relationship depending on the person that you're with? Yeah, I think that um, acts of service was my secondary um, love language. Quality time is my first and foremost love language. And I think it's Mm. almost like I've switched out the second one um, for something that serves me better in in my relationship now. And I think it can be... um, Maybe it's something that you feel brings you closer to the person... Um, you're with at the time or maybe it just doesn't change I think it's situational per relationship and individual yeah I really do yeah and it's actually only since you had mentioned um let's talk about this that I sat down and obviously I know the foundations of it professionally but then I was like what does it mean for me personally where am I at with my love languages and I thought oh my goodness it's changed. It really has. <laughs> and I was like, is that possible? I'm straight onto the work of, of Gary Chapman. <laughs> is it possible, Gary? You know, trying to find out. But, you know, for me, it really has. So I don't know about other people, but definitely possible to change. Yeah. So for people listening to this who are in a relationship and have been in a relationship for a long time or maybe just starting out in a relationship, what advice would you give to them if they don't know their love language and they don't know what their partner's love language is how do they you know you can obviously yourself if you're interested you can kind of do that research you can you know do that self-development work but how do you maybe bring that up with a partner to find out what theirs is like how do you broach that conversation I think it's um a way of saying you know I am going to I want to figure out more about 
how good a communicator I am. I'm trying to figure out more about who I am and how I show up for you and with you and in our yeah. in our relationship. And so what that means is that I've come across a few different things that I'm interested to learn more about. And I um, have been thinking a lot about how I communicate, you know, when things are good, when things are not so good and when things can get a little bit ugly, you know, and here's how I feel that I show up. And I wonder, do you want to do you want to engage with me on this and would you be interested to do the same work so we can have a better relationship and I think you know if your partner gets and respects you they will just be like okay you know he or she is really interested to do this work I want to show up for them in the same way you know they don't have to be fully as into it but you know just like onboarding what you're saying and what you're learning and you know I think only good things can come from sharing that you know absolutely or just saying over a Sunday dinner you know what I've realized is that we're not taught relational health and I really want us to feel truly deeply connected and have the best relationship ever and I think the way we can do that is by understanding how we communicate would you be interested in to learn more with me just opening the space and making them feel you know that you're not saying there's anything wrong you're not saying that Um, you're not being accusatory there's no blame game you're just saying things can always get better there's always something more to learn yeah and when it comes to relationships well there's loads to learn because we're not taught anything about it yeah absolutely and I guess it's just like deepening that connection as well and getting to know each other on that that different level rather than it just being that surface level of what somebody likes and doesn't like it's kind of taking it a little bit deeper and understanding that person a little bit more Uh, just yeah on a deeper level yeah and you know I call that the theatre of romance where we just learn the aesthetics what we do and what we don't like but how you know how does your soul connect with them how do you verbally how do you non-verbally like how do you overcome conflict with one another is one person on the offense is one person on the defense so you do you Mm -hmm. you know stonewall each other or is it a okay what just happened here how did we go with that how do we resolve our relational conflicts and how do we come back together making sure the relationship is nurtured and that's at the center mm-hmm. it's not your needs or my needs it's the our, both of our needs in the, the relationship together yeah. yeah and um one thing as a coach is that you know when you're working with couples the relationship is the client you know it's never mm-hmm. the individuals their needs of course are taken into consideration that's what makes up a relationship but it's just really understanding like who doesn't want to get to know themselves better and how they show up in the world yeah, absolutely yeah and that's what i think actually is really interesting just kind of taking it back to to what you just said is that a lot of people think to build and nurture and grow a relationship it's to focus on the other person but i'm just such a huge advocate of really focusing in on yourself and your loves and desires and and everything like that for you then to understand what you can then give to the other person and then vice versa I think it's it's not always about focusing on that other person it sometimes is about being selfish and focusing on yourself as well when you I found what you just said just so beautiful and so accurate and just so aligned with you know the work that I do and I think when you know yourself well and when you're on that journey to deep self-discovery what happens is we start to show up in the world more authentically more joyfully and lighter we lighten the load of of 
you know, because we eradicate confusion, we become so self-aware and conscious of ourselves that we become happier. And happiness is the most attractive trait, you know. When you're so fully aligned with who you are, everyone and everything that doesn't serve you just falls by the wayside. It's almost like... um, like a kundalini awakening isn't that what they call it (laughs) I just think it's so so true and it's it's like I said it's sometimes I think when you think about you know perhaps if you're having problems in a relationship or even if you're not you're just thinking of the future of your relationship that you might have it can feel so overwhelming to think right this is kind of where I see it going but how do we get there And it's kind of like very much even in your just day to day life, you kind of think, right, this is what I want to achieve. These are my goals. But you kind of think, well, how the hell do I get all the way over there when I'm still all the way on the other side of the room? But it's just taking those day by day steps. And I think in relationships, it's probably very similar where it's, you know, you take steps each day. Some days will be good days. Some days won't be as good. But you learn on those, you you know, discover yourself, you discover the other person. And it's kind of, you know, you really are. And I know it sounds quite cheesy, but you, you're on a journey together. And it's a journey of self-discovery, discovering the other person, like we just said. And it's it's an ongoing conversation and, and journey that you are on. Yeah. And you know what, what you were just saying then, um, I guess the way I would translate it is like slow but steady wins the race. You know, when you're yeah, taking definitely. it day by day. And my favourite book is The Slight Edge by a guy called Jeff Olson. And if anyone listening hasn't heard of it before, it's basically uh, just kind of, you know, divvying up the different parts of your life, you know, whether it's your relational health, your financial health, your uh, mental health, your fitness, whatever it is, whatever part of your life it is, it's a mapping out what it is that you want to be intentional and then every single day contributing a little bit to that so you can consistently have the momentum. So yeah, the opposite to that, to slow down momentum, is to think that you've got a goal or to have a goal, you don't need to think it, to have a goal, but then only do something towards it on a Sunday. And so you slow down the momentum, you're constantly picking back up and then slowing down. But if you do a little bit each day, you'll gain the slight edge to what it is that you want to achieve. And if it's deeper, more communication with your partner, could be reading on it for 20 minutes a day. It could be every Thursday on a date night, just checking in how things going, you know, any gripes, you know, this week, you know, just being consistently in conversation with your significant other, bringing it to the table, reflecting on it and building a deeper, more meaningful connection. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Because with my my boyfriend who I mean I don't think he listens to these so I'm going to talk about him and hopefully he won't know um but he before we got together we'd kind of dated on and off for a little while um but there was just always an issue of commitment and when we kind of finally got together I was like well what's changed like I haven't really changed I don't really think you've changed that much so what's kind of happened where you kind of feel comfortable to get into this where you didn't before and the one thing he said is like I just take it day by day And I know it sounds like it might not sound like a good thing, but to me, it was kind of like he just didn't think too far into the future where he suddenly thought, fuck, like, this is too much. I'm not sure I can get into this. But he was like, I take each day as it comes. And eventually, do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like you just take it back to like the, you know, 
the the day-to-day nature of it rather than thinking like you know when we get married and have kids and whatever which is obviously so far into the future and I think little things like that can really really help people if they do find that they struggle with if it's commitment or different things. I think that is such you know think about these partners that we've been talking about you know there's such there's so much emotional intelligence to be gained from that and if you know anxieties that come up and things that make us feel really overwhelmed is can it can be because we we we're bitten off more than we can chew in our mind and we're we're thinking way too far ahead that it can feel like you know so overwhelming but just too much just too much but if you think about what your partner's saying taking it day by day to me that sounds like joy because it's like yeah I'm just in the moment. just enjoying what's coming. I'm present with you. I see you. I hear you. I want to be with you today. Who knows what will come up for us tomorrow, but I know right now I see you and I want to be with you. How beautiful is that? Yeah. Yeah, I think that. I actually hadn't really thought about it like that, but yeah, that's, you know, that is a very, very nice way of putting it. Yeah. And and I think that's actually really healthy. I think, you know, having commitment issues well it's what's underlying underlying there and I think mm-hmm. what we're hearing from your partner or my interpretation is that he's saying what he's feeling you know in layman's terms looking at a relationship but actually it's like when you look at it deeply he's being intentional he's like I'm intentionally dating you and I'm in the now how many yeah. how many people get married because they're looking into the future and they look they marry someone's they just think it's what they should do and they marry yeah. someone's potential rather than the person that's in front of them and they get married yeah, three months in and they don't they're still got all those hormones going on in their brain and they haven't settled down and you know love at first sight it happens but as much as I'm a matchmaker and a dating coach I'm also a realist I'm like okay yeah well let's let those hormones calm down let's go for a bit of conflict and adversity and see how we come up trumps you know together thereafter fascinating and I think it's really beautiful because he's obviously quietly on his own learning journey of himself yeah absolutely yeah so moving a little bit away from love languages now obviously with what's been going on in the last year and with the pandemic and and covid and what you do what have you seen any changes in how people date are you kind of feeling that people are looking to be a little bit more intentional with their dating um they're looking for something more serious they're looking to settle down or you know, have you have you seen a, a change in how people are, are acting with their dating? Oh my gosh, it's been a year and a bit of absolute learning from me in the professional seat, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. I'll give you like in a nutshell, the kind of like peaks and troughs and journeys is that beginning of lockdown, we completely adapted and we did something. We thought we'll put our money where our mouth is. If we're a company that believes in connection, we don't really refer to it as matchmaking per se, or you've got a match. We say we've got a connection for you and it's for you to decide. So we thought, okay, 10 years in, if I'm really about connecting people just do it and we lifted our fees and we did something called mission-free matchmaking and what we did Mm -hmm. is we brought people together that were isolated on their own single seriously looking and we created loads of digital dates and that was well before people were zoomed out we saw like a 300% increase in people wanting to engage in a matchmaking process so beautiful lots of success stories from that 
And then thereafter, people started to peter out their interests on Zoom. And they were just like, okay, I'm sick of seeing people, um, you know, on the screen. And people started to really crave real in-person connection. Um, So then I saw a massive um, increase in people looking to figure things out, take stock of where they're at, what's going on in their love lives and the coaching business mm-hmm. really picked up in the last lockdown where people were like, okay, want to figure out who I am and what I want and what my values are before I get back out there meeting people again in real life, in person. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so learnings from the matchmaking, learnings from the coaching is that people have spent the last year really digging deep, getting to know themselves, really knowing yeah, absolutely. what what matters to them they've understood the fragility mm-hmm. of time they've understood the fragility of life and connection and i think like things have been put into perspective so it just helps you realize like you said you know what you want it's it's been a very very interesting year such an interesting year and so um <laughs> what i think we're going to see is maybe not right now when people can reconnect but i think we'll see the death of a hookup culture I think, yeah, that's interesting. I think, you know, online dating has been thriving for such a long time. And so many apps have reported, you know, um, massive percentages of increases of users. But actually, what I'm seeing as a dating coach is people are feeling so disconnected from actual human beings. So it's almost like singles navigating online dating apps not all of them I'm just saying how it feels for what I'm hearing is that people feel like it's not very there aren't humans behind the profiles it's just like a game it's like an it's an algorithm and it's just they're not yeah. they're not being as intentional with the online dating so I think people will not want to sink any time with the wrong kinds of people they will want to have really high quality dates experiences and connection and The other side of that, I think there'll be a lot of pressure because people are looking for the real deal. So my advice would be is take it one date at a time and see Mm -hmm. those dates as meetings of new people rather than dates themselves. Yeah, I think that's just a good way to look at it anyway, because some people put so much pressure on themselves when they're going on a date. Well, I think, you know, dating, it should be fun. Right? It, should it should be, be so much you know, fun. The meeting of two people who might get on, you might not. It's the excitement, it's the adrenaline. But I think when you put too much pressure on it, it just takes the fun out of it and it becomes draining and you think it's time consuming. And it just, I just don't think it should be like that. And I think it's a shame that it did, like you said, it kind of became that, you know, just swiping a bit of a, you know, taking up some time. If you're a bit bored, you pick up your phone, you see who's about but it, it should be so much more intentional. And I'm, I'm hoping, like you said, that we see it going in that direction. You know what? What Some of the things that you're saying, I'm just like gold dust, like amazing. <laughs> um, when you're feeling good about dating, um, what should happen is your confidence should build. It shouldn't be the opposite mm-hmm. where it's affecting your yeah. self-esteem and how you feel about yourself and how you're showing up in the world. I think... If you're dating and enjoying the process and you're open to what could be, you're learning about yourself. You're learning about the people that serve you, the people that don't. You might take up new interests. You might have new experiences. You might meet new friends who could develop into something more. I think that's what's really important. We date and become serious in a relationship with our best 
friends. So what you need to think about is, uh, is this person, could I see them being my friend? Okay, now I'm dating them. Do I see them developing into my best mate? Um, because mm-hmm. that's the person I want to build something really significant with. So just focus yeah. on friends first and foremost. Make sure it's really fun because if it doesn't feel good for your soul, then you shouldn't be doing it. It's, yeah, it's if it's not serving you, then get rid of it. Because energetically, you want to be the energy that you want to attract. So if you're putting out a, this isn't working for me, I'm feeling depleted and drained, that all the good ones are taken. If you're If you've got that in your mind... That's how you'll show up energetically and you'll just attract yeah. the wrong kinds of people into your life. Yeah, it's so, so true. And I think like when I was dating, I mean, I was single for about four years and I got to a point where I was never excited to go on dates. I, you know, my housemates would see me before I went out being like, oh, are you excited? I'd be like, no, not really. Because I, I kind of got into the the mindset that there's no point getting excited because then you just open yourself up for, like, for disappointment which is true. And and I guess you need to have an air of, you know, expectation, I think, about these things. But then at the same time, like we just said, you want to be excited. You want to be excited to get dressed up and go to a nice bar or a new place and and meet new people. And I just think you can, it can become so cyclical and you kind of feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. But it it shouldn't be that kind of experience. It It should be exciting and not a chore. It should not be a chore. The one thing we cannot make more of in life is time. And so if you feel like you're sinking time and wasting time or just doing it just to fill time, don't do it because the time you're investing in the people that you don't want to be sharing space with is taking away time from yourself that you could be investing in yourself, energetically filling your own cup so it can run over and, you know, into yeah. other people's. And I think... Ask yourself, like, you know, for anyone that can relate and be in that, you know, feels in the same boat as you once were, is like, ask yourself when you're going on a date, do you feel energetically available and in it? Do you feel um, open to the experiences that you may have? And do you feel like, okay, you're confidently going out there and just open to the opportunity? If you don't feel those things and you don't feel a sense of joy or excitement, just to have someone flirt with you and to engage with you, to find you attractive, yeah. to stimulate you, hopefully intellectually, you know, and emotionally, you know, hopefully show up on the same page, then, you know, just take stock and really like work on your mindset before you get out there. Yeah, I really, really, I couldn't agree more with that. So we've obviously covered some really, really interesting topics and it's been so, so interesting. I think people are going to find it Mm. very, very fascinating. So just to finish up, we've kind of touched on a couple there, but what are your other dating tips? So for people that are kind of, now that things are starting to open up again, are kind of getting back on the horse, what would you say to them as the sort of top tips of advice that that you would give them? Okay, so to avoid any of the things that I've talked about in modern dating that, you know, um earlier on in the episode i'd say be tenacious um just know that every day you go on should be an experience where you learn about yourself and you learn about someone else and you learn about the world around you see it as an experience and a meeting of two minds don't see it as an interview for your husband or wife (laughs) yeah (laughs) um 
you know, don't feel a sense of pressure to be in a relationship with the next person you meet. Um, really take it easy on yourself because the person that you're looking for is looking for you too. You just haven't crossed paths mm-hmm. yet. You yeah. know, don't settle for less than you feel that you you need, deserve, desire, want to fill a void because you've lost so much time. You check in energetically, emotionally, um, have in the back of your mind things that really should work for you, like the values, you know, not interviewing them, but checking in on on how they're showing up with you on a day. Mm -hmm. How are they being vulnerable? How are they sharing with you on a deep level? If you think you know the answer to something, ask more questions, ask more, engage more. If you think you've communicated to say, did I share, did I share, did you pick that up? Like, did you understand what I was saying there? And I think Mm -hmm. trying to check in on how the other person sees you and hears you and engages with you. Um, slow but steady wins the race. That's what we said earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I think it's been such an interesting episode. Um, and where can people find you? Instagram, where, where, where can we find you? Oh, so Instagram is at lessons in love underscore or Sarah Louise Ryan. And for dating coaching, it's love lessons global. And for matchmaking, it's love connections global dot com. Brilliant. Well, Thank you so much for joining me on The Good, The Bad and The Ghosted. And I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Loved it.